Welcome to Seen and Heard in Edmonton, the podcast about blogs and podcasts in the capital city of Alberta. I'm your host, Karen Unland, and we are recording on Thursday, July 9th in the Makerspace at the Edmonton Public Library. So today we're talking to Michelle Peters-Jones, creator of The Tiffin Box at thetiffinbox.ca. First of all, i got to ask you, what is a Tiffin Box? They're Indian lunchboxes, essentially. They're tiered lunchboxes, so you can have your dal at the bottom and your rice and your roti so nothing gets mixed together. And you you mentioned in the About page on your um, site that it's also Tiffin is such an English word. So why is, why is having an like a England, in, English from England word <laughs> so... Because, uh, <laughs> I moved to England to, for grad studies, and I lived in England for almost 11 years, and it's a really big part of my journey. So I love the idea of Tiffin being, you know, a very uniquely commonwealthy name. So it's Tiffin in India. So Tiffin can also mean meal in India. And when the British were in India, they used to call their meals Tiffins as well. And when you move to England, a Tiffin cake is a very popular delicious chocolate cake as well so it had all these connotations and it seemed really perfect for me it is perfect it's utterly perfect so tell me why did you start blogging um it was it was actually right after i was in masterchef uk so once i was on the show and the show aired i had a lot of people emailing me asking me for recipes and i used to spend a lot of time just emailing everybody back with <laughs> recipes took a lot of time and then somebody just suggested to me why don't you just put everything up in a blog so i was pretty sleep deprived because i just had my first baby <laughs> at that point so i started a blog called food football and a baby and it was a very english way of calling soccer football right and that's because i'm a huge football fan and um, I just started putting up my recipes on there. But when I moved to Canada, I had a lot of free time on my hands. So I just started focusing a little bit more on the blog. And then I realized that I'd outgrown the name, especially because my baby was very upset at being called a baby. <laughs> she was a little girl now. <laughs> so I decided to rebrand to the Tiffin Box, and it's taken off in a way I could have never imagined. Yeah. Well, tell me about that, that taking off. Well, tell me about some of the doors that the Tiffin Box has opened for you. It's it's incredible what the Tiffin Box has done to me. I just started off as a hobby, and then now it's moved on to being a very, very integral part of my life. It's my little space on the Internet. So I use it to write recipes. I use it to review products. I use it as a lifestyle um, space. And I also use it to write down my memories of growing up in India as well. But what the Tiffin Box has really done to me, it's brought me into this world of food writing that I never knew existed around. And it's made me move into areas that I would have never thought possible, like photography and food styling, uh, food writing for websites, magazines. And it's just been incredible, the doors that it's opened. And is it just because people like, do they find you by Google or do they find you by social and they say, hey, she would be great at this. Let's offer this to her. I think it's mainly Google, I must admit. And uh, a lot of the ways people find me are, are by searching for specific recipes. So, for example, if you search for butter chicken, then I will show up somewhere in Google. And I think people are really interested once they come to my blog and read the actual stories behind the recipes. It kind of keeps them in there for a while. And I think that's kind of the trick of every successful blog is that once a person has found you, even if it's by accident, it's the way your, your voice that keeps them going. And, and they feel like they can relate to the stories. They feel like they can make these recipes over and over again. And they feel like they can email me or talk to me on, on social media or anywhere else and that I talk back to them. And 
so a lot of people just contact me and say, hey, you know, I'm making this recipe for 15 people. How can I scale it up? Oh, wow. Or they'll say, oh, what can I use instead of whipping cream? Can I make it or can I make this gluten free? Right. And it's really it's a conversation and it's kind of really cool. Yeah. I think a lot of people start blogging because they have something to say and they want to say it and then they acquire an audience and suddenly realize, oh, I'm not just doing this for me. But it seems like you started fulfilling a need from the beginning. People wanted to get your recipes, and so this was the easiest way to get it to them, and then it grew from there. Was there a point where you say, oh, this is like a thing that I'm doing for them as much as for me even more? Yeah, I think um, every blogger reaches a point at some point when you realize that there's an audience out there who have been pretty much faithfully following you from a long time, and that um, what you need to do is for them as much as for you. I think the key is to balance that. Uh, and in some ways, you have to balance what you have and what you need against what you feel your audience has and what you feel your audience needs as well. So much as I love to pull out old, obscure recipes from my mother's and my grandmother's cookbooks, I realized that a lot of the time, a lot of these recipes are very inaccessible for the kind of uh, lifestyle people are leading today. So you balance them out with easy um, you know, say 30 minute meals that people can actually go home and cook and feel a sense of satisfaction having made them. And when you do that, and then you go back to say a more difficult recipe, then people actually realize that, oh, this is not that hard after all. So maybe I'll attempt a more difficult recipe from this website. So yeah, it's it's very much a balance that you keep between what the audience needs and what you personally want for your blog. Are there other kinds of posts where you're thinking, this is really for me, I hope other people like it, but it's oh, absolutely. for me. <laughs> um, I think one of my first posts that I did, mostly it's been all recipes, but one of the first posts that I wrote for myself was actually a kids and restaurants post when I realized that, you know, the world was becoming, you know, especially the restaurant world was becoming really unfriendly to kids and that kids were really not welcome in some restaurants that I'd been to. And I kind of sat down and I think I just ranted about it <laughs> and to my absolute surprise a lot of people picked up on that post and they said oh you know I've experienced this or they took the other side of the picture saying actually you know you're wrong that's not how it should be and that there should be space for adults and just that conversation kind of struck a spark in me so every so often I will balance my recipe posts with a post that's very personal to me uh, that's I've just started the whole Tales from India post for example and those posts are really personal, but they seem to have taken off in a way that I never thought that people would actually respond to them. And so I think when you write something from your heart, people read it and they realize that you're sharing something so deeply personal to you and that a lot of the times these things are what are pers what's personal to them too. Yes. So when you bear your soul, when you open yourself up out there, you will get a lot of incredibly negative feedback, but you'll also get an amazing, amazing outpouring of support and positive vibes as well. So talk to me a little bit more about things that the Tiffin Box has brought to you. So you are one of the contributors to Food Bloggers of Canada. Food Bloggers of Canada was what actually gave me my step up into the world of food writing. Yeah. In, in, spe 
you know, in, in general. So I write a monthly column good for them called the Spice Box. And I also write resources for them, for example, you know, how to get started with ethnic uh, food and ethnic cooking or how to rebrand your blog or how to adapt old recipes for modern times. So, But my consistent column for them has been the Spice Box in which I profile spices from all over the world. And I try and give people, it's like a spice primer for people who are not aware of what spices do. Um, and then, of course, so I'm incredibly grateful for FPC because they really did give me my start yeah. in the writing world. Yeah. And then I've moved on and I write for The Kitchen as well as Food 52. And um, that's been incredibly rewarding as well because it's opened me up to a new audience, the U.S. audience. And it's interesting because it gives me a real understanding of what the food trends in the world are and how to tap into them at the right time as well. So... By writing for The Kitchen, I've also been able to write some incredibly good posts for my own site as well. So and it's just been a really, it's been a learning experience, but it's also been uh, learning how to connect with your audience and learning what goes viral and what doesn't right. as well. So it's just been really incredible. Yeah, you have such a, con- a deep connection with your community and you know what they like and what they don't. And you're very adept at social media as well. How do you balance blogging and the demands of social media with the rest of your life? Um, I'm not going to say it's easy at all because sometimes it does feel like the blog takes over my life and then sometimes it does feel like my real life job takes over my life as well. So in many ways, it's like being a parent, you know, knowing what your child's needs are and balancing your child's needs against your own in some ways. So to the Tiffin box is my baby. And in some ways, as it grows up, I have to evolve with it as well. And it's kind of, I almost see it like it's grown with me as well. So some days I find it incredibly hard and very frustrating because I just feel, oh, the words are just not coming out, right? It's like, and I sit there in front of my desk and I just look at the screen and it looks back at me (laughs) and then I look at it again and, you know, like do something, <laughs> but I can't, and, and I can't force it. So I think the key for me is to not force that um, writing, because if I force it, then it just feels very artificial. It doesn't feel true to what I want to talk about and what I want to do. And then, of course, some days I just have to take a break. Right. I just have to say, this week I am just going to cook and I'm going to eat it. You know, I'm not going to photograph it. You know, my daughter is like, aren't you photographing this? I'm like... No, just eat (laughs) and don't complain. (laughs) So really, it's about taking a break when you feel like you need it and then going back to it when you feel like you have something more to say. And then sometimes, you know, it's just waking up in the middle of the night and just writing all those thoughts that are swirling in your head that, you know, you mean that you're not sleeping because of that. And then you also have to realize that social media is incredibly hard work as well because Every day, there seems to be a new form of social media yeah. coming in. So if it's not, Google, uh, you know, if it's not Twitter and um, Facebook, it's Google Plus, and then there's Yumly, and then there's Pinterest, and you know, and then there's TumbleUpon. It can drive you a bit crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, trying to keep up with everything, and it feels like you're juggling all these balls in the air. So in many ways, I mean, I found it best to pick, say, two or three. Um, media platforms that I was comfortable with. Facebook's one of them and Twitter's the other one. And I've slowly started building up Instagram and uh, Pinterest as well. But just focus on those and build them until they're almost self-sustaining in many ways that you have your audience and you have the kind of posts that post. And then it's also about 
being yourself on those as well. So I don't pre-schedule my posts simply because if I pre-schedule it, then I'm not there to respond to things right. as they go along. So I love that real-life interaction with people that I put up a post and then there's people liking it and commenting on it. So, yeah, I try and make time for that as well. So, But it's really, really hard not to stay on them all day. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I try and focus it so that I spend one hour on it in the morning, one hour in the afternoon, say, you know, half an hour in the evening. And maybe have a quick skim before I go to bed. That's <laughs> <laughs> kind of a lot. <laughs> I uh, I suspect you were on even longer a couple of days ago or a few days ago when you got word that you've been nominated for the Taste Canada um, <laughs> Award for, for one of the top blogs in Canada. So tell me how you felt when that happened. Okay. So it was really weird. So I couldn't sleep that night because I knew it was partly because I knew that the shortlist was coming out the next day, but also it was so hot that day. So I was tossing and turning in bed and I kind of pulled out my phone, though I try not to do that too often. I pulled out my phone and I looked at it and I saw this email from Donna, who's the chair of Taste Canada. I'm like, oh, you know, I've been declined. So I look at it, look at it, and it's like, congratulations, you've been shortlisted. I'm like, no way. So I turned my phone off and I went back to sleep. And the next morning I woke up, I thought, oh, that was a great dream. But, you know, that's <laughs> definitely not true. Because <laughs> it was at 2 a.m. And then, I, then, my, then my phone just started going crazy with all these notifications from people saying congratulations on being shortlisted. And to be completely honest, for almost the entire morning and most of the afternoon, I just couldn't believe it. I just kept looking on it again. No, no, just, you know, there must be a mistake. You know, maybe they'll just call me and take it back. But it wasn't. And, you know, it's just sinking in right now. And uh, to say I'm absolutely thrilled and honored and humbled would just be an understatement Mm -hmm. because I am completely over the moon in this one. Taste Canada is like the pinnacle for a lot of food writers in Canada. And to be part of the shortlist of three blogs um, it's just incredible. So when do you hear what, uh, who won? Um, it's on September 21st. Oh, it's, it's a gala. long time. <laughs> so I'm going to try and uh, go down to Toronto for the gala. Let's see if yeah. it works for me. I'd love to just catch up with all those people. And there's some incredible people coming as well. I mean, I'm kind of like a fangirl of Vikram Vej, so I know that he's presenting it. So I really, really want to go. <laughs> I hope you can go. It oh, would be so super too. fun to go. To what extent would you ever want to turn your blog into your full-time job? I think the reason the Tiffin Box is as successful as it is is because it is not a full-time job. For me, it's a place where I can go to and relax and chill and talk to people. So in many ways, for me, it's a hobby. Now, if I was to turn it into a full-time business, I would actually have to start making money off of it. And I know that if I made a, you know, considering how much of a loss I've made in the last two years, the taxman would not be very happy with me turning it into a full-time business. But I've been doing a lot of um, things that, you know, that do kind of are very business-like. As soon as you start making money off of your blog, then it is a business. So in many ways, the Tiffin Box for me is a portfolio of what I can do. And the opportunities that I get, say, whether it's food styling, food photography, recipe development, or food writing, feature writing, are all part of what comes as from that particular portfolio. So I see it as more of a portfolio where I can actually talk about how I feel and what my goals are and also put in recipes that I've tested a lot and the recipes that are very personal to me. And I think that's what makes it so approachable for people that, you know, there's not. And I know that there's a lot of people for whom blogging is a business. And I am super, 
you know, in awe of them that they're able to balance all these things. But for me personally, I feel that the day the Tiffin Box turns into a business, as in a full-time job, then I th- I'd probably lose a lot of joy in it. Yeah. So I want to keep that joy going. So, and, you know, to be completely honest, I'm really lucky to have a fantastic um, daytime job as well that I absolutely love. So in many ways, it's the best of both worlds for me. Michelle, what local blogs do you like to read? Um... <laughs> All of them? <laughs> Actually, I should really thank Mac Mayall because of his share Edmonton. So it's easy for me to find everything that I want to read it's on really there. But there's a lot of blogs that I have um, read and liked. And there's a lot of blogs that I never knew, even knew existed in Edmonton that I have discovered and loved it. Um, as you know, blogging is a pretty lonely business. So wherever possible, I like to get people together to talk about bl- their blogs and about blogging in general, about life in general. And they usually kind of degenerate into drinking sessions, which <laughs> let's not talk about that as well. But recently, I've been loving a few blogs that I've just discovered. Um, one of them is Margaret Bose Johnson, who writes Kitchen Frau. Okay. And she's a gluten-free focused blog, but uh, she's just incredible. She lives on a farm outside of Edmonton, and her blog is local, seasonal, and it really has some fantastic recipes in it. So that's a great blog that I've been enjoying reading recently. And then there's um, another very interesting young lady called Julie Cheer. And she writes the blog called Julie's Kitchen Adventures. And, you know, you've probably never heard of her because she's a fairly small blog at the moment. But her adventures are actually incredible. She and her uh, partner, her uh, fiancé, they actually go all over the world and uh, they climb climb so they they do rock climbing ice climbing and all these kind of things and one of the things that they love to do is wherever they go they like to bring back all the recipes from there and then they try and recreate them and they're pretty intense i must admit you know they went into this i mean john her fiance is talking about building all these things in their backyard and they go to all these real extent of finding all these unique and unusual ingredients say their deep south barbecues are incredible and Julie's Thai recipes are pretty cool as well. And like I said, it's it's the thrill of discovering a blog like that, which is really kind of cool. And then, of course, there's my friend Lillian, who writes Beyond Umami. I like to call them hardcore foodies because Lillian and Dan are just incredible in their quest for perfect recipes. And I think what I really like about them is that they're so passionate about what they do in real life, but they're, they're also passionate about really good food. It maybe it's Dan's um, family chef background, but um, I absolutely adore the recipes, and I know that they've been tested so many times that there's very, very rarely a failed recipe in there. Yeah, and then of course I like um, uh, rec- blogs that are just talking about food in Edmonton as well. Cindy from Let's Home Gnome, Andrea, Little Miss Andrea, uh, Linda Lindork, yeah. <laughs> and you know I think she's called Linda Hong at the yeah. moment. Yeah, um, Sharon's. Uh, only here for the food yeah and I also read um, blogs that are not just Edmonton focused but uh, focused I love this blog called She Eats it's a woman from Vancouver called Christy Gardner I can't help it every time I really I feel down and depressed and I want to laugh I just go to her blog and then you know I'll be rolling and laugh <laughs> and laughing by the time I've finished with her blog I love her blog she's just an incredible writer as well and then of course I read Julie Van Rosendahl's Dinner with Julie and I read Art in the Kitchen by Laureen King then I do Wanda Shea Baker's Baker's Beans and so 
yeah, I try and keep up with That's the a lot blog. of reading. Yeah. I do. I mean, I try and make time to read blogs because I think it's really important to have that uh, peer, peer, peer group support in the blogging world. And being the Alberta ambassador for Food Bloggers of Canada, it's something I take very seriously. And I want to bring and kind of introduce people to this amazing talent, talented bloggers in Alberta and uh, just introduce them to you know, the f- when I met Julie from um, Julie's Kitchen Adventures for the first time, she's like, there's other people in Edmonton that blog. I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah. And you should come join us because you know what? It's a pretty lonely business. And when you speak to people, when you're interacting with your peer group, there's something magical happens sometimes. You know, yeah. there's that interaction with people. And I'm a social person. I love meeting new people. And I love... Uh, some of my best friends I made via Twitter and blogging. You know, Diane Lee, for example, also known as uh, What Would Argan Plot Play? Right. Pay. Pay. Yeah. Sorry, Diane. <laughs> she kicks my butt all the time. She's like, <laughs> why haven't you written this? You know, why aren't you writing? Why are you in Southgate? Go write. <laughs> so it's, there's a, that's incredible peer-to-peer support. I agree I with you. really need. Just observing the food blogger community from outside of it, it feels like there is so much mutual support and collaboration and throwing to everybody else's good stuff. And, um, yeah, anybody who's blogging about food in the Edmonton area who isn't meeting in real life with the other food bloggers should get Get in touch with you. Oh, right? yes, Get in touch with me. Yes. <laughs> I'm the enabler, as I like to call it. You know, it's it's just nice to meet like-minded people. And it's kind of amazing, you know, when you're all at a table together and everybody's whipping out their phones. Nobody looks funny at you. Yeah. And uh, I think that's really, really important. Yeah. Know. I mean, I mean, I read everybody's blog. I don't always comment on them. My bad. Sorry. But I think it's really important. Yeah, to have that support as well. If someone wants to start a blog, what's your advice? Oh, yeah, it's <laughs> there's a lot of advice on the internet, but I think my biggest piece of advice would be just be yourself because you can put on a persona to th- you know, to please your readers, to and you can write what you think your audience wants, but at the end of the day, readers are pretty smart. And they can always tell if you're not being true to yourself. So I think one of my biggest things would be just be true to yourself. Write what you like, what you love, and what you yourself love doing. And it will show in your writing as well. And don't be discouraged. And originally, you'll only get 50 page views, right? I I started off with 50, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty heavy now. So I would say that don't be discouraged. Because those 50 people will tell 50 more people. And those 50 more people will tell more people. And before you know it, you're going to be pretty huge. And then, you know, you might have trouble keeping up with it in some ways. So just stay focused and don't ever give up. That is perfect advice to end on. Thank you so much, Michelle, for sharing your thoughts today. Um, Be sure to visit thetiffinbox.ca for Michelle's wonderful writing and photography and her delicious recipes. And you can also find The Tiffin Box on Facebook and follow Michelle on Twitter at Mitch Peters Jones. So M-I-C-H Peters Jones. Um, you'll find links to everything in the show notes at seenandheardyeg.com. And if you subscribe to my newsletter at seenandheardyeg.com, you can get a heads up for when the next podcast is up and catch my weekly roundup of great blogs and podcasts in Edmonton, including many of the blogs that Michelle mentioned and two that I didn't know about that are going to make their 
their way into there uh, henceforth. I'll be back in a week. Thanks for listening. Thank you.